This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. We have great expectations in our hearts. And, well, hope is rising. Hope is rising. Say that with me. Hope is rising. And, and to wrap up this series this weekend, again, I'm so glad that you're here. And to wrap up the series, my buddy, Dr. Wayne, is, is going to come speak. But before he does, I just want to say a couple of quick things. First of all, we have an, an amazing team here at Cathedral of Faith. Can we give God praise for the team that we have? We really do. You know, Pastor Vaughn, one of the songs that we did in the worship set was written by Pastor Vaughn. Isn't it awesome to see Pastor Vaughn keeps cranking out great music and of course, Tommy over here, Tommy directs the band, does such a great job every week, Tommy. And then Dr. Wayne, we've been buddies for over 35 years, and tomorrow is a very special day. It's his birthday. And so he turns the speed limit. I won't tell you which one it is. All I can say, he may be turning the speed limit, but it hasn't slowed him down at all. He's just sailing right by it. So would you stand with me, please, and give a great big welcome to Dr. Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> high, high hopes. Amen. Great expectations. Say that with me. Great expectations. We've been going through this amazing series this year where God is wanting to increase in us something amazing. And we've been talking about the increase of hope, that this is a season that God wants to increase hope in us. The first week we started this series, talk, Pastor Ken talked about refuel your tank that the way you go from fumes and half full to being full is through the power of worship and the power of scripture. The next week he talked about raise your aim because in the end, what you get isn't what you deserve, it's what you expect. And if you want higher hopes, you've got to have higher expectations. The next week he talked about refocus on the future because if you've got your eyes in the rearview mirror, you're not going to go very far. And Jesus is more concerned about where you're going and what your future is than he is concerned about your past. And last week we talked about play to your strengths, that we each have superpowers that God wants to use to make a difference. These are all the investments we make to increase our hope. And this week, we're going to talk about refuse to go it alone. Say that with me. Refuse to go it alone. One of the secrets to hope is that we're in this together. Most of all, we're in this with him. But we're in this together, and God wants to help us this weekend. So when we go home, we are overflowing with hope. I don't know whether you came in here drained and on fumes, there's a coasting half full, but this is the weekend that we seal this series and high, high hopes happen in us. The memory verse for this series comes from Romans chapter 15. Let's read it together. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me give a little theological on you here. In the original Greek language, this is what's called the optative mood. In other words, 
This is what Paul is longing for for the people of Rome. And this is actually what we as pastors are longing for for you. But the cool thing about the original language, this is what God wants for you today. I I want us to declare it again in faith. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we invite you to come and work in us today. Lord, I'm just claiming that every one of us will leave this place overflowing with hope because you are here and you want to work in us. You want to change our perspective. You want to help us to rise above our circumstances because we know that hope is spelled J-E-S-U-S. And we embrace you today and ask that we would overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit with everything we need to be filled with hope. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give God thanks and praise for his faithfulness. Hope is rising. Say that with me. As you're being seated, turn to at least three people and tell them, hope is rising. In your bulletin, you'll find an insert with the outline for today's message. I would encourage you to take this out because as the word of the Lord comes forth today, as the scriptures are declared, as the truth is spoken, I want you to be able to take this with you so that hope can continue to rise in your life and you will overflow with hope. So as you fill this out, I'm looking forward to God speaking to you. Well, I just want to take a moment to say thank you to you as a church family. This past week, a group of us from Cathedral of Faith returned from 13 days of ministry in the Philippines. We have two campuses there that were started about six years ago by pastors John and Myra Julique. They are faithfully serving there. In fact, you can see a picture on the screen of our team and all of us up there with Pastor John and Pastor Myra as we served in the Philippines. We saw God do amazing things. You would be so proud of our pastors as they serve there. They are really pulling the nation together. They're close friends with the governor. We were at the governor's house. We were in his mansion. We went to his office. We, we had a powerful time of meeting leaders, but most of all, touching their church family, going house to house, ministering, blessing. And one of the highlights is that Pastor John and Myra had a vision of a huge opportunity, a celebration in their community that would bring people to Christ. And so they contacted the Will Graham Association, which is Billy Graham's grandson, and said, could you come and do a time here of ministry. So our team got to be there to help facilitate that, work at the altars, pray with people, facilitate the work. Take a look at this picture. 6,953 people came to the altar to receive Christ. All these are people who are at the altars asking Jesus to come into their heart. 6,953, can we give God praise? And the really cool thing is this, they're committed to every single one of those people being contacted by a pastor. 
And they're not going to leave until that happens. And our pastor, Pastor Joe Mar, at one of our campuses is heading that up because they believe that it's not just enough to say, Jesus, be the leader of my life, but it's important to be plugged in and refuse to go it alone. Amen? Well, this weekend, we're going to let God let hope rise within us. And the first point you'll see there is get hope. Say that with me. Get hope. Here's the problem. Sometimes you and I can feel like we're drowning. It seems like circumstances are blowing us around. It seems like everything's going against us. Our emotions are all over the place. We get that letter in the mail. We get that word from the doctor. We get all those things that cause us to wonder, and we feel like we're drowning. Anybody ever been there? And what happens is it seems like the circumstances are tossing us around and we're going down for the count. One, two, three. But here's what the scripture says in Hebrews 6, 19. We have hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. When you feel like you're drowning, there's an anchor that you can hold on to. There's something that can help you be strong. There's something that can help you weather the storm. And just like sailors who need an anchor in the ground to keep them secure when a storm comes, you and I have an anchor as well. And that anchor comes through the word of the Lord that's available to you and to me. Amen? We have something that can stabilize us, and it's about hope. Hope is an anchor. In fact, you'll see in the next blank where it says, hope is being able to see the possibility in spite of the impossible. Being able to see the possibilities. Get hope. Say that with me. Get hope. Say it again. Get hope. God wants you to grab hold of an anchor and get hope this weekend. Now, let me share with you a story in the Bible about a person who shows us what it's like to not have hope. In fact, in Ezekiel 37, 11, here's what it says about the people of God. It says, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we are cut off. When you don't have hope, it's like a valley of dry bones. Anybody ever felt that? It's like, oh, it's hopeless. It's helpless. What's going to happen? And what happens is God takes Ezekiel to this valley where it looks absolutely hopeless. He looks around and he sees all these dead bones just strewn all over the place. And God says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, oh God, only you know. God says, I want you to speak the word of God. Speak the word of God over these bones. And when Ezekiel spoke the word of God, the bones started coming together, bone to bone, joint to joint, flesh on them, and all of a sudden they stood up, but they had no life in them. So God speaks to Ezekiel again and says, this time, Ezekiel, I want you to speak the spirit of God over them. And when he speaks the spirit of God over them, all of a sudden, it says in Ezekiel 37.10, the Spirit came into them and they lived and stood on their feet, a very, very great force. How did they go from being a hopeless valley, a valley where there was no hope in them of dry bones? Well, it was just the Word of God and presence of God until they were able to move and be hopeful. 
to move from a hopeless valley to a hopeful valley. It only takes the Word of God and the presence of God. That's how we get hope. Say that with me. Get hope. But wait, there's more. We're to give hope. Say that with me. Give hope. Our responsibility isn't just to take it all in and consume it, but the purpose of God giving us hope is so that we can, through our lives, through our circumstances, through our struggles, give hope as well. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes these words to the church of Corinth and says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Pastor Kenny and Pastor Ken have taught us well. We have been blessed to be a... We've been blessed to be a... We've received comfort so we can give... That was good. You caught on. We get hope so we can give... See, the whole plan is you can't do this by yourself. God gives you blessings so you can bless others. He gives you comfort so you can comfort others. He gives you hope. He wants you to get hope so you can give hope. Let me go on one more time about Ezekiel. Ezekiel lived in the city of Jerusalem. And in the city of Jerusalem, full of hope, something happened to him. Now, let me give you a little backstory. In those days, you would have never said to anybody growing up, what do you want to be when you grow up? People ask that all the time. Kids are in kindergarten. What do you want to be when you grow up? You know, parents, actually, the first day of school, right on there. He wants to be an engineer. She wants to be an astronaut. He wants to be an alligator. No. <laughs> that was me. I wanted to be an alligator in kindergarten. Don't ask me why. I thought they had a lot of power, I guess. You would never ask anybody in those days of the Bible, what do you want to be when you grow up? If your daddy was a carpenter, do you know what you're going to be when you grow up? You would be a? That's it. You had no option. If you were a stonemason, your dad was a stonemason, people wouldn't say, what do you want to be? No, you would be a? Stonemason. And Ezekiel, his daddy was a priest. And the priest ministered in Jerusalem. So What was Ezekiel going to be when he grew up? He was going to be a priest. But the people of God were very disobedient, and they got dragged off into captivity. And Ezekiel got taken away hundreds of miles to Babylon. Now, the problem was, in Old Testament days, they didn't have a clear understanding of God being everywhere. They thought God lived in Jerusalem. They thought, God's over there in Jerusalem, and now I'm in Babylon. This is hopeless, this hopeless place, because that's the only place I can do my job as a priest. I have no meaning, I have no purpose, my life is over, and he's crying and whining before God. And all of a sudden, God shows up, and he says, Ezekiel, I'm here in Babylon. I'm here with you. And all of a sudden, hope starts to rise inside Ezekiel. But God says to him, I want you to know something, Ezekiel. This isn't just about you. There's going to be some other people coming who are going to need what you've got. So get it strong. The difference between hopeless Babylon 
and hopeful Babylon is the same thing as the valley of dry bones. We are the word of God and the presence of God away from being hopeful. And once Ezekiel had the word of God and knew that God was with him, he was hopeful once again. He was able to move to that place because God said, I sent you ahead to give you something. And sure enough, 13 years later, the children of Judah were not obedient to God and they got dragged off to bondage. And when they got over here, they were a mess. But Ezekiel says, ta-da, God sent me over here. He's here. He's with you. He's here to help you. He's here to give you strength. I'm here to tell you that I've been here. I've met with God. He's met with me. And now here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you hope because I've received hope. Again, sometimes we can feel like we're drowning. It feels like the wind and the waves of our emotions are tossing us back and forth. It feels like, how am I going to pay these bills? How am I going to deal with this sickness? We, we think God lives over there in perfect health, and we end up over here with cancer and sickness and declining health. We think God lives in happily ever after marriages, and somehow we end up drowning over here in divorce. We think God lives over here in life everlasting, and we're experiencing death in ourselves. We can be drowning, but here's what happens. We grab hold of an anchor. We grab hold of the truth. And here's what the last verse of Ezekiel says. Ezekiel 48, 35 says, the Lord is here. He is here, even in the hopeless valley. Give Hope. Say that with me. Give hope. Here's the whole purpose. God sent Ezekiel ahead. It wasn't his fault. But what happened is he got hope. And when he got hope, he had something to give. When people in the same circumstance as him came behind him, he had something to offer. In fact, that's the truth for you. Your circumstance plus the presence of God equals hope. Whatever you're facing, if you will let the presence of God be an anchor in your life, you will have hope. Here's the next point, because this is not just positive thinking. This isn't just wishful, cross my fingers and hope everything works out. This isn't just some kind of abstract idea called hope. It's a living hope. And that's why the next point is this, resurrection equal hope. Say that with me resurrection equal hope. Here's what Peter writes in 1 Peter 1. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, we have a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's a living hope in a person who is an anchor that we can stand on. The power is this. The empty tomb tells us that there is hope because Christ has conquered death. God has triumphed, and that's our hope. So whatever is bringing death in your life, death to dreams, death to your circumstances, whatever is making you feel like, I'm so hopeless, here's the answer. We move to hopeful because of that living hope. Again, 
We had such an amazingly powerful time in the Philippines. We were able to minister to so many children. We went house to house in some very poor areas, loving and caring and praying, speaking prophetic words, blessing the communities that we were able to touch. And we were able to actually go to a place, a residence that has 60 kids, 30 boys and 30 girls. All of them were there because of rape and incest. And these are kids who have horrible stories, but we were able to love them and feed them and bring them gifts from all of you. We were able to pray with them and touch them and bring hope to them. In fact, you can see one of those little girls up there. It was just a special time for us to really enjoy the beautiful children of that community and to love them and care for them. We also had a great opportunity because Myra and John are so closely connected with the local government leaders in the high school they went to the principal and assistant principal and said, we have some leaders coming. General Eldon Regulo went with us, his wife Sorella, Alexis, and Aurora. We all went together. And with Myra and John, we taught an international youth leadership conference. And they went to the teachers and said, pick your top three leaders. And so we had 100 juniors and seniors that came together. We spent from eight to three with them all day long talking to them about leadership telling about the greatest leader ever, Jesus. And the best news is this, all 102 of them bowed their heads and asked Jesus to come into their life. God was so amazing. We have a great team of leaders there. You can see up on the screens, Pastor Pastora Villa, uh, Pastor Jess, then their worship leaders, Sherwin and Jeffrey, uh, Pastor Jomar, Pastor John and Myra, and Pastora Awi. Great time of ministry. Continue to pray for them. They're our DNA over there serving the Lord and blessing in Jesus' name. But there's one more thing about the trip I want to share with you. First day we landed, we stopped and ate, and when I went to get back in the van... I had this shooting pain in my wrist, and my wrist was paralyzed. I couldn't move it, and I'm like, wow, is this arthritis? Does it come this fast? And it hurts so bad, but I didn't say anything to anybody because I'm like, I don't want to know that I have an aging disease. And all day, it was like, oh, I couldn't even, I couldn't open the door. I couldn't do anything. So I just sort of kept hiding it. I went to bed that night. It was hurting so bad. And I woke up the next morning, and it was still really painful. And then I actually looked at it and realized that I had a huge swelling all right here because I'd been bitten by something. And there was this red line going all the way up to here. Well, it just so happened that one of our team members was a nurse. And the minute she saw it, she said, there's a really good chance you have sepsis, which is a bacterial disease, and you have 48 hours. So I took a picture of it and emailed it to my Kaiser doctor. Yay, Kaiser. (laughs) And within 10 minutes, halfway across the world, he says, yep, this is serious. You need a bacterial antibiotic immediately, or you're not going to make it. Well, praise God. One of our team members, Aurora, had brought a bacterial antibiotic with her. And so I took that antibiotic right before I went to bed. But quite honestly, as I lay there that night, I wrote notes to my wife. I wrote notes to my kids. I wrote notes to my grandkids. I'm like, 
God, I'm ready. I'm not sure this is how I thought it would happen, but I wasn't really sure how it was going to go. And then the next morning, I woke up. (laughs) And as I was laying there, I knew I'm preaching this weekend, and this scripture that I just declared to you kept echoing in my spirit from 1 Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the word of the Lord. We have a living hope. That resurrection power brings hope to us no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how hopeless we feel, no matter how many red lines we have going up to our bicep. We can have hope because of the resurrection. But wait, there's more. Hope equals Jesus. Say that with me. Hope equals Jesus. Here's the wonderful truth. No matter how hopeless you feel, No matter how difficult it is, we have hope in Jesus. Again, there are moments that we can feel like we're drowning. It's as if the waves of what if and why me are tossing us back and forth. Our emotions are all over the place. We can be struggling and saying, God, I just don't get why is this happening to me again? I'm drowning I don't know how to do this, but here's the truth. We have an anchor. We have something to hold on when the wind and waves and circumstances come. And here's what the fullness of Hebrews 6.19 says. It says, we have hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure, it enters the sanctuary where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. Jesus is that anchor, and he comes out and says, peace, be still. He calms the waves and gives us hope because he is here. Let me take you to one more hopeless moment. Imagine the disciples. They go to the hopeless upper room. Jesus has just been crucified. They come into this room fearful and anxious, but they walk out filled with confidence. How? They encounter Jesus. Those disciples walk in doubting and full of regrets, and they walk out filled with faith. How? In just one moment, they encounter the presence of Jesus. They walk in discouraged overwhelmed with discouragement and they walk out full of hope. How? They encounter the resurrected Jesus. They walk in afraid, crushed, and yet they walk out filled with courage, filled with power. How? Because the resurrected king was resurrecting them. Amen? That's how you get out of hopeless moments. Whether you're in a hopeless valley, whether you're in a hopeless Babylon, whether you're in a hopeless upper room, or whatever hopeless circumstance you're in, the way we get from hopeless to hopeful is by the presence of Jesus, the risen one. It's the presence of Jesus that gives us hope. He is our anchor. In fact, the anchor was the symbol for Christians for the first 300 years. Crosses really weren't super popular to 
put out because people would know as soon as you put a cross out, oh, Christians kill them. So they would use the anchor. If you go, you can look at hundreds of cemeteries from the first 300 years of the church, and almost every tombstone has anchors on it. But really, hidden inside of the anchor is the cross. The cross was there all along, reminding them that the anchor is Jesus. In fact, he, as, again, as it says in Hebrews 6, 19, we have hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the sanctuary where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. Jesus is that hope, and when we hold on to him, we have something that can keep us secure. Again, let me unpack this for you. Jesus was the forerunner going to death and resurrection first on our behalf. Ezekiel, remember the word of the Lord to him. Ezekiel, I sent you over here to get hope because I want you to give hope. You're, you're a forerunner. But here's the good news. You are a forerunner. I want you to put your name in that box. Your name, you are a forerunner. Robert, you are a forerunner. You are a forerunner for what God wants to do. Crystal, you're a forerunner. Creole, you're a forerunner. Laura, you're a forerunner. Lee and Shantae, you're forerunners. God has sent you ahead to give you hope so that you can give hope to others. God does not want to waste any of your sorrows. He doesn't want to waste any of your frustrations. He doesn't want to waste those hopeless valleys, hopeless upper rooms, hopeless places. He wants to transform. In fact, the next statement is the centerpiece of this whole message. How God has strengthened you and given you hope is a good indication of where he's going to put you to bring hope to others. You see, you thought, oh, poor me. Why did I end up over here with all this? And God's like, I'm there. Let me reveal myself. Let me give you hope. Because there's going to be people coming behind you in the years to come in the same circumstance, sometimes even worse off, but because you got hope, you're going to be able to give hope and give them Jesus as the ultimate hope because of what you received. In fact, in the original language, in Old Testament times, names had meaning. They just didn't randomly pick a name. They, they had names that had meaning. And here's what Ezekiel means. Ezekiel means strengthened in order to strengthen. Say that with me. Strengthened in order to strengthen. The message of Ezekiel's life is this. Ezekiel, I strengthened you so you can strengthen the people coming behind you. Again, you've been blessed to be a... You've been given uh, comfort so you can give. You've been given hope so you can give. You've been given strength so you can give. That's what this is all about. Quit whining about the hopeless valley you're in when you'll just focus on this. The difference between hopeless and hopeful is the word of God and the presence of Jesus. And encounter that anchor of the presence of Jesus, the word of the Lord, and he will give you strength. I know you thought God lived over there in happily ever after marriages. But you know what? He can show up here in divorce. You thought God lived over there in perfect health. He can show up over here in the midst of sickness. He wants to strengthen you. And here's the good news. This anchor, Jesus, he ascended into heaven. He went up to the heavenlies to be on the right hand of the Father. And the scripture says he is constantly interceding for you. He's praying for you right now that you will have hope and be overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
That's his promise to you. Amen? Let's give him thanks and praise. I'm going to invite my friend David Coggin to come up and join me here on the platform. David's a great member of our Cathedral of Faith family. He serves faithfully each week here in so many ministries. God's given him some hope, and he wants to give that hope today. Listen as he shares his story. February 2007, driving to work, I got a call from the hospital. While recovering from a femoral neck fracture repair, Patty fell. My heart sank as I raced back to the hospital. How could this happen? X-rays confirmed the need for more surgery. Patty would lay in traction for four days and nights before the doctors could get back to repair the damage caused by the fall. Anytime she needed to make an adjustment in her position, it would bring on excruciating pain. Oh, they set up a button, but as you know, it only allows a prescribed dose no matter how many times you push. I felt so helpless. I couldn't take it away, but I could time the button pushes to get her the most relief. Back home, wheelchair bound for six months. Time to get a second opinion. A Dr. Toma, hip replacement specialist. You know it could take weeks, even months to coordinate that type of surgery. After looking at Patty's x-rays, we were elated. She was in the OR just six days later. End up walking only one hour post-recovery. I was so grateful. It was life-changing. And then, well, living on pain meds, the new norm. Friday night date nights to the ER. By 2012, Patty had survived 17 major surgeries, 67 GI procedures, living on a diet of 33 pills per day, of 18 different medications from six different doctors. Some of the meds were so expensive, even with insurance, because insurance doesn't cover everything. I had to ask, do you really need that prescription, or do we eat tonight? But it says in Mark 9.23, if you can believe, all things are possible for those who believe. And believe I did. I believed God could turn it around in an instant. <laughs> Patty made a decision to get professional help. Checked into an inpatient program to detox and get off all the opiates and pain meds. Patty did the deep work. We were so proud of her. When she got back, she had a connection with hummingbirds, even got a tattoo of one on her foot. Red, green, purple, blue, and the word victory. You see, she was on a mission of becoming a substance abuse counselor, and in 2015 was just one class away. 
she still struggled with digestive and motility issues. And then we got a referral from a Stanford doctor, one who specialized in the big picture, one doctor to look at her complete history. After that appointment, she said, thank you. My prayers have been answered. I have a new hope. Another round of tests and more appointments to begin until April 14th, 2016, just a day before one of the last appointments of the round. I got home. I did my workout. We normally eat after that. Just let me sleep. So I ate, worked on the computer, and went to bed around 10. Normally I'd sleep till 3 or 4, but this night, this night was different. This night, an angel of the Lord woke me around midnight. Was she dreaming? Patty, what's going on? Patty, she mumbled. I jumped up out of bed, went around to her side. Patty, get up. I was scared, really scared. I called 911. On April 15th, 2016, at 2.21 p.m., my wife was pronounced. She committed suicide. On April 22nd, the day of our 26th wedding anniversary, we laid Patty to rest. Just a few days after her service, I was walking to the backyard and stopped at the sliding glass door to see a hummingbird. Both eyes turned and stared. I'm okay. So I ask you, who could orchestrate this circle of life 26 years to the day? God will guide your steps if you let him. He never wastes the pain. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Through this tragedy or season in my life, an old dream has been reborn with new purpose to serve with my gift in music and ministry, to give hope to inspire those to be the best versions of themselves. And part of that was engaging in the men's ministry. I hope you'll consider that. Thank you. Whatever hopeless situation you face, whatever hopeless valley, whatever hopeless Babylon, whatever hopeless upper room, you are just the word of God and presence of Jesus away from hopefulness if you'll embrace it. As David said, don't waste your pain. Don't waste your sorrow. Get hope. Why? So that you have hope to offer others. As I lay there 
in that bed that night wondering, is this it? The Lord gave me a promise that I felt like he wanted to speak this weekend over some of you. You may be on empty, you may be drowning, you may be overwhelmed. Here's the word of the Lord to you. Through the prophet Isaiah, God says, do not lose hope. I am with you. Let me say that again. Do not lose hope. I am with you. I will make you strong and help you. I will protect you and save you. Some of you need to receive that word this weekend. I'm going to declare it again. Do not lose hope. The Lord says, I am with you. I will make you strong and help you. I will protect you and save you. That's the word of the Lord for you. Receive it with power because he is the one who is our hope. Lord Jesus, you know every one of us better than we know ourselves. You know where we are in our journey. You know some of us are way empty. Some of us are way hopeless. But we are just your word and your spirit, your presence away from hopefulness. Let this be a season of increase of hope in your people. That we will be a hopeful people getting hope and giving hope as we refuse to do this by ourselves. We walk in your power and we walk together because the resurrected king is resurrecting us. The resurrected king is resurrecting us. I want us to sing that song together in faith. By your spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. Let's sing it in faith and hope together. By your spirit, we thank you that that power is available for every one of us. Overflow us with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Speak your words, your life to us that we may rise as we hold on to Christ, our solid rock, the cornerstone, weak made strong. Our anchor holds because you are our hope. Let's give God thanks and praise for his faithfulness. Amen.